very happy to see so many of you who are here um, coming to assembly. Uh, it's important. Our faith must be in God. Yes, we have to take precautions, but our faith must be in God, first and foremost. All right? And it even goes along with the topic that we, we began to discuss last week on what controls your mind. And that's the topic we began last week Sunday. The topic is entitled, What Controls Your Mind? Last week we looked at the importance of such a question. Um, uh, we, we realized, well, we looked at uh, the, the person of Judas and what led to him betraying Jesus. And we, we noticed in, uh, in that Judas' mind was, uh, seemed to have been controlled by money. And we pointed out the fact that what that which controls our mind controls or consumes our thought, rather. It is that which we spend time at night thinking and that which we ponder upon, we dwell upon. And for some people right now, it may be the thought of the coronavirus that controls your mind. And, 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 and I'm thankful, like I said, grateful that those of you who are here, I, I can conclude that your mind is not being controlled by that which is going on out there. So thank God for that. Right? And so that which controls your mind, consumes your thought, and ultimately determines your action. It determines what you do. Uh, because it stems from your mind. Uh, we saw also that that which con um, controls your mind determines will you serve as a Christian. Some people are not in control of their minds. Their minds are in control of them. So what controls, the thing which controls your mind determines who you will ultimately serve. Jesus said you cannot serve to masters at the same time. And so anything that controls your mind, other than God or the things of God, uh, well, it means that you're not being controlled by God. God is not your master in that regard. It is something else. And we saw that it's an important question because of the fact that our minds control controls our actions. And also that God knows the thoughts of our hearts. And that we should take precaution. We should be concerned about the issues of our mind because God knows our every thought. Yes, you could hide what's going on in your mind from others, but you are unable to hide the matters, the issues of your mind from God. And the Bible tells us on that day that God is going to judge our every thought, whether good or evil. So if you don't think it's important, then think again. What goes on up there in your mind matters. So we continue our lesson today. What controls your mind? So the story we just read, the scripture reading Brother Brown just read, takes place. Um, Jesus uh, walks into this community and there is a man who uh, we might call him a zombie. He is a man possessed by demons. Legions of demons. Hundreds, possibly thousands of demons. It's not one, but listen, there's a lot. This man is out of his mind. And he seemed to possess superhuman strength. If you, get the, if you get the chance to read it, you can continue reading the text. The Bible tells us that no man was able to contain him. They would often bind him with chains, but because of the fact that he was possessed with devils or demons, he was able to break those chains asunder. 
And this man was 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 would have rent his clothes and hurt himself and you know because of the fact that he was possessed. But then he came into contact with Jesus. He came into contact with Jesus, and after Jesus had um, um, getting rid of the evil spirits within him, the scripture tells us, and notice we, we jumped a few verses because it's a lengthy reading, it would be too much of a lengthy reading. But verse 14 tells us that when the people came and they saw this man that they knew was a possessed man, that man that they knew was not in his right mind, that man that we may call a madman, because of his interaction with Jesus, they noticed that this man, when they saw him, after dealing with Jesus, he was clothed and he was in his right mind. Oh yes. We're dealing with issues of the mind. Jesus takes care of the matters of the mind. I want you to know that the one who is best suited and able to tell you what's wrong with something is the one who built that thing in the first place. The best person to tell you how to use a television or what's wrong with a television would be the manufacturer of that television set. Or perhaps the maker of the cell phone. He is best suited to tell you what's wrong with it and how best to fix it. And it's because of a simple reason. Why? It's because he made it. He knows every component that is in it. He knows what, what makes it work. And when it's broken, he knows how to fix it. And so Jesus was able to help this man because Jesus knew the issues that relates to this man. And as we ponder on the question, what controls your mind? I want you to know that the answers to such questions, to the problems, if you're having challenges and difficulties in your mind, in controlling your mind, I want you to know that Jesus can solve this problem. And the answer is simple. And it's because he made us. And we must go back to Genesis to get a, a, a bit deeper understanding on the issues of the mind to, to the man being created by God. In John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, the Bible tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that the Word was God. And that all things was made by him, and without him was nothing that is made. Hold on. Without him was nothing made that was made. And so Jesus, who is the word, was responsible for the creation of all things, including man. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, scripture says that God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. What does it mean to, to be created in the image and in the likeness of, of God? We see that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible tells us that God, after creating all things, formed man out of the dust of the ground. That's Genesis 2 verse 7. And then God breathed into his nostril and that he gave man the breath of life. And that man became a living soul. We notice that man was made different than the plants and the animals. 
Yes, God created these things by the spoken word, but God made man. Not with the spoken word. God took a little extra time. And so God formed man. Notice how God knows man very well from the inside out. He made man and then God went a bit further. He breathed into man the breath of life. He breathed into the man his own essence. And that man as a result became a living soul. So we see three components make up that which we call man. We see dust as is in the text. We see life. And we see the soul. Uh, dust is the body. It is the physical man, the house, the container. Paul calls it the earthen vessels that we that holds our human body. And the life is the spirit. The Bible tells us the spirit is life. And man became alive as a result of the fact that God gave him life, the spirit. The Bible tells us also that God is a spirit. And so we know that man is from God. We are made in the image of God as a result. The spirit also, the Bible tells us, it quickens and the spirit gives life. But I want you to know that when God breathed into man this clay, I want you to know that something special happened. The Bible tells us, as a result, man became a living soul. What is the soul? The soul is man's consciousness. It is the place of awareness and reasoning that takes place in our thinking, our ability to go beyond just thinking. You know, man, even in our minds, we have a conscious mind and we have a subconscious mind. It is a very deep and hard to explain a part of the human body. Even, even scientists have difficulty explaining the issues of the mind. But the soul, we ought to know, resides in the mind. It is our ability to recognize both good and evil and to be able to, to deal with the matters of good and evil. So the soul dwells and re rather relates to matters that pertain to our thoughts, our emotions and our will. And all things which, there are all things which we cannot see, by the way. All things which science cannot explain. You can't explain emotions. They can't explain thoughts. They can't explain will. But it's what God did. So man is all three. And I want you to bear with me because I need to take my time in explaining some things before we can go further and press along in our lessons. Man is all three. He is body. He is spirit. He is soul. And we will not always have the spirit with us in our bodies. That much is clear. The Bible tells us in death, the body goes back to dust. And the spirit goes back to God who gives it. And so corona might be able to destroy your bodies today, brethren. A corona might be able to cripple you and take your life. But it's not able to take your soul. So when we speak about the topic, what controls your mind, I want you to know there is something that ought not to control your mind. And that is the fear or the very coronavirus itself. COVID-19 can do nothing to your spirit. It is more important for you and I to make ready to meet our maker than it is to make ready to fight against the coronavirus. Because our bodies might be destroyed, but if your souls are saved, oh, you are good. But if you are saved from the coronavirus, but not for your soul, not from the eternal destruction that is to come, then you are doomed. But Jesus says, watch the man prophet, if it shall gain the whole world, and lose his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? 
The answer to that is nothing. So man is body, spirit, and soul, and the soul is our consciousness, like we said. It is our ability to recognize and to relate both to good and evil. It is said that animals do not have a soul, or do not possess a soul. I'm not sure how true that is. I'm no expert on the matter. But I do know that they, they do not possess this. If they do possess a soul, it's not in the capacity. You see, when you understand that the soul is, is the source of consciousness and reasoning, it's not far to, 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 to say that perhaps animals possess soul, but not at the capacity that humans have. Because animals could think, can they not? Can they not weigh decisions? Do they not choose? Yes, they can. But what we, want, what we need to know is this. Animals may possess a soul like, for example, babies do. It is something of an innocence. It is a limited capacity to be able to comprehend the issues of good and evil and to discern them and to be able to make the decisions and weigh in the consequences as pertain to good and evil actions. And so we all know that babies are innocent. It's not even a question. We know that if babies die, they all go to heaven. Even the people that teach that you are born in sin say that when babies die, they go to heaven. And we all know that all animals go to heaven. They make, they make movies. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> and you see, the point is that they have, they all lack the capacity to comprehend the matters of good and evil. They lack the depth of consciousness and awareness to deal with these matters. And even Adam and Eve, brothers and sisters, even Adam and Eve at the early stages of their lives were innocent. Until such time that they grew to, to know or have the knowledge of good and evil. And what caused them? How did they come? How did that come about? How did they lose their innocence? Adam and Eve. They learned about good and evil. A, a matter of fact, a seed was sown into their minds. A seed is, is that thought, an idea that was placed in their hearts, a message that was given to them from Satan, which led them to sin against God and thus gave them the ability. Why is that important? You see, the seed, Jesus said in the Bible, is the word of God. And Jesus spoke a lot about the seed. The seed is the word that that is spoken and when spoken is heard and the mind takes that and translates that into a message. And that seed, as small as it might be, eventually grows up to make an, a very big impact in the life of every man. Every seed starts small. But by the end of its life cycle, it's a very huge tree. Much bigger than the way it started. I'm talking not about seeds, brethren. I'm not talking about gardening. I'm talking about words. I'm talking about the power of thought. I'm talking about the power of, of, of expression. I'm, I'm talking about uh, the messages that goes into our mind. I'm talking about the issues of the heart, the issues of the mind. I'm talking about the issues of the soul. The things, brethren, we learn impact our lives. The things we learn might start small, but eventually grows into something that may change the path, the, the, our destination, our, our destiny. 
There are some things that you might as well agree. It was better that you had never learned them than to have learned them in the first place. I don't know why to speak for myself. If I could take a time machine, and I thought of that. If I could take a time machine and change some point in my life, some significant issues in my life, to me, I will go back to a particular time where I would help myself not to hear a conversation that was taking place among friends of mine. That's my personal thing I'm sharing with you. You see, something I heard, some conversation that was going on between my friends, that discussion that was going on, if I had not heard that discussion, I would have such so less issues in my life. You see, from one conversation, it impacted my life so negatively. It led something, it, it started a ball that, that rolled like a snowball rolling and it gets bigger and bigger. And it complicated my life, brought issues into my life, created a habit that was hard for me to break for many, many years. If I had not heard that thing, which I heard, I wouldn't have had such problems. And the, truth, the same is true for many of us. Christianity for us is hard. You know why? Because of habits that we have developed. Because of matters and issues in our lives or in our minds that are hard to break. Because of seeds that has not only been sown, but it has, was taken root and planted. And hard to get rid of. The things that we learn, brethren, determines what we may or may not do in our lives. Our bodies might be responsible for translating to us the matters of the physical world, you know, our feelings, touch, not feelings, sorry, a sense of touch, a sight. Our bodies are responsible for that, but our, our soul, our mind, it is responsible for translating thought into words and words into thoughts. And as one man said, Words or thoughts, he said, are unspoken words, and words are spoken thoughts or thoughts which are expressed. Just a look at the creation of the world, and you notice that when God made the world, the Bible tells us repeatedly, and God said, and God said, and God said, and every time God said, something happened. Something was brought into life. God spoke this world into existence with the world. His words created life. And so our thoughts creates life. And the things that, that enter into our minds also create life. The question is, whose thoughts are in your head? Whose thoughts control your mind? I want you to know since words are spoken expressions or spoken or thoughts express, that every song that is heard is the expression of somebody. Every movie that you and I we, we look at is somebody's expression, it is somebody's thought that we are we are we are looking at. And so we must be careful what we listen to. We must be careful what we watch. We must be careful even with the company we keep and the conversations that we have because all of these things somehow impact our lives because their thoughts is being sown in our heads like seeds being planted which might eventually take root and grow and become troublesome. 
as the years pass by. Have you ever had a tree in your yard that is difficult to uproot now that it's grown? One of the hardest things to deal for any farmer is to get rid of trees whose roots have already taken hold of the dirt. Men put dynamite to get rid of those things and sometimes they still fail. It's hard. Words control thoughts, brethren. And thoughts create life. Jesus, hear what the Apostle Paul tells us? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Brethren, the battle that we are facing is the battle of our minds. Like we said last week, whoever wins the battle of your mind wins your soul. This battle is one that is being fought for your attention. It is one that, be, that is being uh, fought for your mind. And so we have matters that are going on in this world and, and sometimes we think it's, it's, it's only the physical things that matter or the physical things that are most important. But the scripture says, no, the weapons of our warfare, they are not physical. You might be physical, but your battle ought not to be fought in the physical world. It ought to be fought beginning with your minds. So what controls your mind this morning? Have you spent a lot of time listening to the wrong message? Have you spent a lot of time listening uh, to the wrong expressions from the wrong people? The battle for our minds is a battle for our soul. Jesus says the parable in the parable of the sower on the seed that the seed is the word of God. The Bible tells us that Satan is in the business in this very verse it tells us Satan is in the business of snatching the word of God away from our hearts. Remember the parable? That the world, those who fall on the wayside verse 5 Jesus said this verse 12 sorry then cometh the devil and taketh away the word from our hearts. The heart is the what? The heart is our mind. Satan and the war that we are facing is one to, to either know the word of God and then when we know it, to keep it in our minds and Satan is trying constantly to, uh, to keep us from hearing the word as much as he can and even when we hear the word of God, to snatch it away from our hearts so that it cannot, be, it cannot help us to be who God wants us to be. And so you and I have a fight in our hands. We have a fight in our hands to keep putting God's word in our hearts, to keep God's word in our mind, to allow our lives and minds to be controlled by the word of God because Satan wants to take that away from us because he knows that if he can control our minds, he can control the person. He is a prince of the air, the scripture tells us. He is a prince of this world. 
But brethren, we have the power to choose. You see, when man was made in the likeness of God, one of the things that is most evident is the fact that God made man a free moral agent. But God gave man the ability to choose his own destiny. So we could choose to do good or evil. That is something that comes along with the soul. It is inevitable that you make that you can choose right and wrong. So you could choose God. So much so, if you choose to reject God, you even can reject God. So Paul tells us, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, if you turn there with me. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy, a living sacrifice, sorry, holy and acceptable unto God, he said, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may be able to prove that which is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Notice how the Apostle Paul says that you may present yourselves a living sacrifice acceptable unto God. There are things that are acceptable unto God and there are things that are not acceptable unto God. And when we speak about matters of the Christian struggle, who are always in the world, the world does not cater for the Christian. The world does not cater for the things that is acceptable unto God. And that's why Jesus said, that's why the scripture tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. So there's a battle on the hands of the child of God who lives in the world and is not of the world. And that battle is for the mind and we have to continually be transforming our minds to learn and to, uh, to do the things which is approved by God. We must transform our minds. Sometimes we struggle in Christianity because in our minds we are failing. We are losing the battle because our minds have not yet been conformed it has not yet been transformed by renewal. It takes effort. It takes a choice that you and I must make. It takes conscious decisions. And I'm not talking about any big grand decisions. I'm talking about millions and millions of small decisions. Seeds being sown in the hearts. In our minds. She said that he's not going to try to give you a, 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 a big box to carry. Oh, Satan said that's a whole lot of thing for me. Because he knows that little thing makes a great impact as the time goes on. So what controls your mind? I want to close this lesson. I want to encourage us. As I started to let you know that Jesus is able to fix the issues relating to our minds. We serve a God who fixes broken things. Have I preached this sermon yet? It's a sermon I particularly love. And I entitled it, God Who Fixes Broken Things. 
I want you to know that God, we serve a God that fixes broken things. If you look at the congregation, if you look at the church of Christ in Grosley and say to yourself, and all these people have it together, I want you to know that you are wrong. If you look at Christians anywhere and think to yourself that somehow these people are perfect, I want you to know that you are wrong. I want you to know that Christians are broken people who have come to Jesus to be fixed. Jesus is the fixer of all things. And as we read in our scripture reading, he is also the fixer of our minds. This madman was clothed and he was in his right mind. If your mind is broken today, Jesus can fix it. If there are issues, if you struggle in containing your mind, if you, if you struggle with your thoughts, if you, if you struggle with, your, with whatever matters of the mind, I want you to know that Jesus can fix it. Jesus is not only the creator of all minds, but he is also the word. It is that word that is life. It is that word that is the seed. It is that word that we have in the scripture. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 that all scripture is given by what? By inspiration. What does inspiration mean? It means that God what? Breathed that word. The word became flesh. Listen, we are well equipped. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It starts with the word of God. It starts with Jesus. Every broken thing that comes to Jesus, every broken individual, every broken mind that comes to Jesus can and will be fixed by Jesus. Today, if you struggle with such, if, if you find that you lack the purity of mind, then you can come to Jesus today. If you realize that the devil is really at you these days and you're, you're thinking you, you need some help in, in, in controlling your thoughts and you need some help in aligning your, your mind with, with Christ, with that, of, with that of the word of God, then you're not alone, but you need to come to Jesus. David pleaded with God after he committed his sin. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You won't be the first or last Christian to struggle with his mind or fail, on the, or fail along that path. The Apostle Paul confessed, he said, the things I know I ought to do, I find I'm not doing those things. And the things, I, the things I should not do, I find these are the things that I do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, oh, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he said, I thank God. That yes, I, I, I struggle with sin in this body, but with the mind, with the mind, I serve God. And you know what the Bible tells us also? It tells us even if our hearts, our minds condemn us, brethren, God is greater than our hearts. I love this passage of scripture, brethren. When you, started to, when you start to doubt yourself, when you start to doubt the love of God for you, I want you to know your mind is against you. And I want you to know that your mind is betraying you. And even if your mind is betraying you, I want you to know that God is greater than your heart. When Satan says to you, oh, look at you, you good for nothing. You always say you ain't going to do it. And every time you're doing the same thing, God don't love you anymore. You will never make it to heaven. You are a failure. You will never be right in the sight of God. I want you to know that God is greater than your heart. Your thoughts are betraying you, but God can fix that. Amen. 
Believe in the word of God even more than your thoughts, brethren. Even more than the issues of your heart. We have time to continue this lesson, Lord's willing. And so we give opportunity for anybody who has been touched by the lesson to come forward. If your heart is not made right with God for any reason, if you are not, have not yet given God your life, you can do so tonight. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as the Son of God. And be baptized for the remission of your sins. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will not fail you. If you are a Christian and you just find yourself struggling, you just figure, you know what, maybe this corona thing is getting to me. Uh, maybe it's other matters of this life that's getting to me. My mind is bombarded by your every issues. Even when I'm at church, I, I have difficulty concentrating on the things of God. You know what? You maybe need the help of God. The invitation is also for you. As we stand and sing the song of encouragement.